everybody and welcome back to talk more talk a solo beatles video cast i am one of your four co-hosts tom hunyadi and you may know me for my other show two legs a paul mccartney podcast today on this episode we're going to be debating the question that um you know a lot of people get heated about and that's uh should wings be included in the rock and roll hall of fame i know a lot of people um, consider that just uh, another part of Paul's solo career, but um, I don't know. Let's uh, we're going to talk about it, and uh, we're going to get uh, everybody's thoughts on that, and including yours. So please um, type in your comments, and uh, we're uh, we're looking forward to hearing what you have to say. But first, uh, let me introduce my co-host. First up, she's back. She's refreshed. She's relaxed. She's ready to go. She is the author of. This book right here, Songs We Were Singing, the guy that toured a lesser known uh, Beatle tracks. And she's also the author of Michael Jackson FAQ. She is the one and only Kittle Tool. Kit, welcome back. Thank you so much, Tom, Ken, Joe. Great to see all of you. And uh, wish wish I was drinking a rum punch instead of this. <laughs> but, you know, what, what can you do? Yeah, you had to come back, huh? I had to come back. Oh, no. Darn it. How do you know uh, there isn't rum punch in that can? Right. Uh, <laughs> good point. You good could point. be fooling us. Yes. <laughs> yes. Next up, he is the YouTube sensation. Uh, he is our favorite uh, <laughs> Beatles video video guy over on YouTube. Uh, he does a lot of great solo Beatles, a lot of Beatles videos, a lot of a lot of fun rant videos. And he is uh, Joe, aka me, Mr. Mayo. Joe, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for letting me be on again. Yeah, absolutely. So Ken Womack wasn't able to make it today. So uh, stepping into the plate is our pinch hitter. Once again, uh, me, Mr. Mayo. Yeah. So uh, last but not least, he is the uh, host of a very great uh, radio show called Every Little Thing, and he does play everything a little thing. It's like having everything that the Beatles and the solo Beatles did on your iPod and just hitting shuffle. It's it's great. It's a lot of fun. I've, I've learned so much uh, listening to his show, and I've discovered so many songs that I never knew existed because of his show. Um, he is also the host of the uh, popular podcast, Things We Said Today with Darren DeVivo and uh, Alan Cozen. And here he is. Ken Michaels. Ken, welcome. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for all the kind words. It's great to be back. I've missed you guys. <laughs> it's been a long time. Yeah, yeah no it's kidding. It's been a long, long time. Yes. Yeah. But anyways, so before we get to our, our, our main topic that I'm sure people can't wait to get their thoughts on, um, Ken, why don't you uh, tell us all the things that have been going on the last month um, while uh, Kit's been uh, having her toes in the sand. <laughs> <laughs> enjoying the sunshine while kit's been relaxing paul and ringo have been busy but, uh, 
Actually, let's just start by talking about uh, Paul resuming his Freshen Up tour. He did so back on May 23rd in New Orleans at the Smoothie King Center. Um, nothing but glowing reviews, as usual. If you look online, all the reviews have been very positive. And uh, I always make sure I check out the set list to see if there's any changes. There really were none, but I wanted to know from you guys what you spotted and what you found interesting, if anything, about the set list. Uh Go ahead, kid. Oh no, I was just gonna say I'm I'm kind of surprised that he's le somewhat surprised that I, he's leaving in. Maybe I'm amazed. Uh, maybe I'm amazed because that you know he's been having issues you know with his vocals on that on and off. Um, so and it's such a hard song to sing. It's so rangy. So I was kind of surprised that you know he took yesterday out, mm. but but left that in. Yeah. Um, I I found that interesting mm. yeah, yeah for a song that's kind of his signature song yeah. yesterday um i mean maybe i'm amazed is also such a big song out of his repertoire yeah. but um he hasn't done it on every one of his tours but mm. in recent years he's been doing it constantly but um right. yeah one of the things i'm surprised at is that he's still doing being for the benefit of mr kite you know i didn't think it would be going on as long as it has um, he brought back Let Him In, which was nice. Mm -hmm. He brought back Dance Tonight, mm -hmm. which is nice. He's still doing Queenie Eye, and I'm happy yeah. about that. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes what Paul will do is when he starts a new tour, the songs from his previous album will completely drop. It's as if, you know, I'm only doing them because it's the new album. But mm -hmm. at least he's continuing with Queenie Eye. So, yeah. you know, I'm happy about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, you know, like you said, you know, uh, uh, let him in. I'm excited about, but the one that I'm really excited about that I haven't uh, seen him do the two the two prior times was Junior's Farm, uh, mm. one, of my, one of my top five favorite Paul songs. Um, I'm hoping. I, I always that. wonder why he does the uh, edited version. He leaves out of a, a verse, not the, the radio edit version, if you will. Right. Uh, the line about Ali Ali Hardy. Right. No right. Offense or something. Yeah. That's yeah. the line that is missing. Yeah. yeah, but I'm still yeah. excited about that song, and I mean, it's a gr it's a great rocker, and uh, really oh, love it. to hearing him sing it. That's one that should have been a staple, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. in, in his tours all the years. Right. Um, you know, I'm very glad that for for uh, a while now he's been doing "Letting Go," which mm -hmm. to me is it's so much better as a live song. Right. But uh, yeah, still a great set list, no matter what, you know. Yep. And <laughs> um, and other Paul news, and this was. The biggest news in the last few weeks is uh, all about four McCartney reissues coming out on July the 12th. It's going to be Paul is Live, Wings Over America, Shoba BCCCP, that's better known as the Russian album, and then there's Amoeba's Gig. Mm. Now, the thing about these four reissues, first of all, they're all coming out on CD, on 180-gram vinyl, on colored vinyl, mm -hmm. and digitally. Right. Um, Wings Over America and Paul's Live is identical. There's nothing extra in, in terms of the material. Uh, Wings Over America will come with the original souvenir poster. Um, the Russian album is kind of a disappointment in a way because when it first came out, and this was exclusively in Russia, it was just on vinyl and it was 11 tracks. Right. And then there were a few other versions that came out, a 13-track version on vinyl, and then worldwide there was a CD with 14 tracks. 14. Well, right. the new reissue is the original 11. Mm. So I don't yeah. know why 
he's leaving out the other songs. Yeah, well, you know, I I touched on it on a on a past episode um, that I did on my other show, and and you guys touched on it on your guys' last episode on things hmm. you said today, right there at towards the end, and and I I think it's that's the correct thinking is okay. He's going to give us this original. Uh, the way it was originally released, and then later on, maybe two, three years down the line, we'll get an archive edition, so that way we get to buy it again. <laughs> no, no more, please, no more. <laughs> mercy, mercy. Uh, really? I think Capital's got it all figured out. They're gonna, they're gonna yeah, milk us yeah. for all we have, all we've got. <laughs> yep. Um, also, Amoeba's gig is really mm-hmm. the most exciting. Yes. Of all the yep. releases. Because it's the complete show of uh, what he did at uh, the Amoeba Record Store in Los Angeles when mm-hmm. Memory Almost Full came out. It's all 21 songs. And so far, I believe uh, 12 of the songs mm-hmm. have been released. First as an EP with four songs. Later on as 12. Um, this is the first time it's ever been available commercially, all 21 songs. Yeah. So uh, that's exciting stuff right there. Yeah, that, that's worth the price of admission. I, I'm really looking forward to uh, to finally hearing the whole show. Yeah, that's the big one. That's the one I want the most. Yep, me too. You know what I'm excited about is that there were certain songs from Memory Almost Full that he did at this show that he stopped doing on tour, like mm-hmm. House of Wax, House of Wax. which yeah. is a uh, great song and mm-hmm. a great live song too. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited about uh, Amoeba's gig. But for the rest of you, this is really just to keep the catalog in print. Yeah. And Amoeba's gig is the exciting part because, like I said, uh, the full show has never been available before. Oh, mm-hmm. excuse me for a minute, Ken, but I think, isn't there supposed to be also a sound check of coming up on mm-hmm. one of these? I think it might be the Amoeba one. I heard that. That's supposed to be an extra track. Yeah, okay. I, one think of the it's on the, I think it's on the vinyl or the CD. Either one, you're going to get an extra track, which is the sound check of uh, coming up. Interesting. Oh, cool. Did not know that. Mm-hmm. Well, the more material, the better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, we never really got to talk. I know, Tom, you did a, a whole presentation on YouTube about the Traveler's Edition of uh, Egypt Station. And um, do you want to talk about the bonus track now, or, <laughs> you know, or are we going to be repeating ourselves? I have it right there. Yeah. Um, Tom yeah, is always you know, ready. Yeah. <laughs> You know the bonus tracks are a lot of fun. Um, Frank, especially Frank Sinatra's uh, party um, and 62nd Street. I think they're both quality quality tracks. Um, again, uh, just like uh, um, Get Started and uh, you know Nothing for Free, they're worthy of being on the on the you know the the standalone album. Um, you know, uh, great tracks, a lot of fun. Uh, again, you guys touched on it as well on on things we said today. You know, the origins of of uh, Frank Sinatra's party, where um, it was what originally called Fishy Matters Underwater. Right. Um, you know, I was listening to that uh, on YouTube. I mean, that was the first time I've heard it. I thought it was a lot of uh, that was a lot of fun there too. I know a lot of times. Uh, Paul says that he'll uh, come up with the melody of a song first before he comes up with lyrics. So maybe he just didn't have lyrics for this song, you know, at the time. Um, so you know, it was it was cool to see something. I love it when he when he dusts off something old, 
you know, I love it when like like a beautiful night where he had that ready or he started right. that, you know, like in the, you know, in the mid eighties and then, you know, he dusted off and then finishes off, you know, for flaming pie. I love when he does stuff like that, you know. I'm sure he's got plenty more material in his back pocket that he can just, you know, you know, whip out like a comb anytime he wants to and then just uh, you know, present it to us, you know. I'd be curious to find out when he finished the song. Mm. Because if you listen to Fishy Matters Underwater, it's just the backing tracks. In right. fact, it isn't even a melody. Mm. You know, so um, when he wrote the lyrics, we don't know. When he wrote right. the main melody, we don't know. Right. He could have written it any time from 1976 on. Right. So um, if it's something that he just revisited recently, that's kind of fascinating to me that he would even remember when right. you consider the backlog of all the stuff that he's done that's yeah. unreleased. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then, you know... Um, the one thing about the suitcase that I will say that I, I'm a little disappointed in it with is that I would have loved that if the Explorers edition would have been in the suitcase instead of just the regular standalone, you know, album. Um, when you when you look at the you know Egypt Station Two, you're only getting uh, Frank Sinatra's Party, 62nd Street, and uh, and Who Cares the full length version on vinyl in there, and then the live stuff, the four live tracks. So you're not getting, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Get Enough, even though, you know, a lot of people don't care for that song, and you're not getting uh, uh, Get Started or Nothing for Free on, on vinyl in there either. So, oh, so really? if you wanted that, yeah, so if you wanted that stuff on vinyl, then you had to get the, the Explorers edition, so. Well, Tom, what do you, what do you want for near $400? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what is the one thing we need I mean, to really, when about everything... with all these special with all these special editions? It's all the, you know, it's the lack of bonus context, you know, but yeah, no. But, you, know, you know, but like I said, I mean, it's it's a fun piece. Uh, you know, I, I'm all in on this album. I love the album and uh if he does another version another year from now, you know, I'm not going to say that I'm not going to buy it because you never know. Because you know, you know, another thing, Ken is, you know, you've mentioned before is there could be up to twenty-seven tracks, you yeah. know, that were that were presented or you know in the sessions. Now, however, I don't know if you're also including, um, you know, Sea Link and Naked uh, in those twenty-seven because I don't know if those were originally, you know, considered a medley at first. You know, maybe yeah. he presented those tracks as standalone tracks and then later, you know, you know, put them in as a medley. So, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I think we're getting what twenty-three to twenty-four tracks now. So. I'm hoping that this is it. <laughs> and you don't know, you don't know yeah. if Egypt Station One and Egypt Station Two are tracks, right? Or songs. You don't know that either. So right. I have so, a feeling there's more though. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and you might have to. Can, I, I'm thinking that the Lady Gaga Paul McCartney uh, song too was was during those sessions as well. I'm, but that's um, for the animated film. Right, right, but they could have been done during those sessions as well. Yeah. So I mean, it could have been considered, you know, that song could be considered a song from those sessions. Mm. Is what I'm trying to say. So mm. all right, yeah. well, we'll see. Mm -hmm. He always keeps us interested. <laughs> always. <laughs> uh, more news. Uh, May 31st was a sad day in radio for New Yorkers, as I'm sure many of you know, as we bid farewell to one of the most popular rock stations. Uh, they later adopted an adult contemporary format, and that's WPLJ, uh, who have now started being a Christian music station. Now, the reason I'm bringing up WPLJ is that the last song they played before they signed off was John Lennon's Imagine. Mm -hmm. Then they played something from Hall and Oates, where they uh, where they sang the call letters, I believe, and then there was a collage of DJs through the years. But I'm bringing this up also because it looks like history has repeated itself, because. Um, 
the most popular top 40 radio station of all time, certainly in my estimation, WABC in New York, when they ended their top 40 format, the last song they played was Imagine. Wow. And Imagine and PLJ are the same uh, same company. <coughs> same company. So it's just kind of interesting that they chose Imagine for their final song. Nice. Uh, McCartney received a special award on May the 28th in New York City. This was the International Advocate for Peace Award in Lincoln Center during the commencement ceremony for Yeshiva University's Benjamin N. Cardoza School of Law. Very nice. Another award for Paul. Um, in commemoration of John and Yoko's Ben In for Peace in Montreal, which, by the way, we're celebrating its 50th anniversary, happened on June the 1st. Uh, that was at the Queen Elizabeth Hotel. Um, the Royal Canadian Mint is now issuing a pure silver coin to celebrate John and Yoko's artistic talent and social activism. Also, Peter Asher will be having a new book coming out. It's called The Beatles from A to Z, an alphabetical mystery tour. Hmm. Um, and it's based on 26 episodes of his very popular radio series on the Sirius XM Beatles channel. His show is called From Me to You. And uh, the hardcover book comes out November the 12th. We have to take note of the passing of Leon Redbone at yeah. the age of 69, who mixed pop with uh, uh, Tin Pan Alley music. And I bring up Leon because there is one big connection between him and a Beatle. Mm. Leon and Ringo Starr recorded a duet mm. of My Little Grass Shack. <laughs> which uh, I have played on my radio show on every little thing. It's on Leon's album called Whistle in the Wind, which came out in 1994. And we also take note of Rocky Erickson from the 13th Floor Elevators, who just passed away. Um, the band was known for having a psychedelic garage band sound. Um, they made four albums. They didn't cover Beatles, but they used to perform uh, Beatles songs live, including The Word. And um, also, this is something I was happy to announce on things we said today and every little thing. Hopefully, some of you guys know about this. A very interesting tour coming up. Mm. It involves Joey Molland of Badfinger, mm. Todd Rundgren, Christopher Cross, Mickey Dolenz, and Jason Sheff from yeah. Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. They're all going to be in one band together. They're going to be backed by the Beatles tribute band Rain. Mm. And they're going to be doing a tour where the first half of the show is them playing their own hits together as a band with Rain backing them up. And the second half of the show is them doing songs from the White Album. Mm. Oh, man. I, I don't know if it's the entire White Album. I don't know if it's going to be other Beatles songs besides the White Album. But uh, this is how I understand it. It's going to be at least part of the White Album. But this reminds me of something that happened back in the early 2000s. And I hope some of you guys watching this will remember there was something called a Walk Down Abbey Road, which had a whole bunch of artists all performing as one band. And some of the very same people that make up this band were part of a Walk Down Abbey Road. Todd Rowling was there. Joey Mullen was there. Uh, Denny Lane was a part of one of the bands. Um, uh, Mickey Dolenz was not. Uh, Christopher Cross was. Todd was. Um, Alan Parsons was in it. Wow. And Wilson from Heart was in it. Yeah. yeah uh, John Entwistle of mm -hmm. The Who was in it. Some of the same people that were part of Ringo's All-Stars 
were part mm -hmm. of this, a walk down Abbey Road. And they wow. had Godfrey Townsend, who's a great guitar player, and his backing band, backing those bands up. There were a couple of tours in the early 2000s. And then the second half of their shows were all these people playing Beatles songs. So this is a lot of fun. By the way, Jason Sheff, in case you don't know who he is, he was a part of Chicago. Right. He was a later member and he replaced uh, Peter Cetera. Yep. Yeah. Great singer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Some of the later hits of, of Chicago that were more ballady, yeah. like Peter Cetera songs, were sung <laughs> by him. And it's mm -hmm. only a few years ago when Jason uh, left the group. Yep. So he plays bass. He's a great addition to this band. And so what I have heard is that the tour will take place September 7th through October the 20th. Uh, 25 dates so far. I don't know if they will add more. Most of them are on the East Coast. I haven't been given the venues for each, but as soon as I do know, I'll post it on our Facebook page, on my Facebook page, so you guys watching will know about this. Yeah, I hope it comes to Chicago and, and other cities, because really, it sounds like a, a really cool concept, and, and I mean, yeah. you know, we've got some, you've got some, you know, great, not only musicians in general, but, you know, obviously, yeah. Beetle, beetle nerds like us, you know. So, uh, so I mean, that'd be an incredible show. So, yeah. let's hope so. Let's hope there's uh, more dates coming. I don't see them passing up Chicago being such the big market that it is. Uh, mm -hmm. So, I think I'm sure you'll be, you'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's true that um, in addition to these guys playing their own hits, which they've probably done so much throughout their careers, they also take a break from it and just rock out with Beatles. Yeah. And, you know, these are all Beatle fans, all Beatle geeks. Todd Rundgren has done so many Beatle-related things. Sure. And it's kind of interesting in a way. Think about this. Todd Rundgren and Joey Mullen together. Yeah. yeah. Todd Rundgren took over the producer for Straight Up from Badfinger. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they'll be together in the same band here. Right. Wow. Very, very cool tour coming up. Um, so before we go with our main topic, I just want to mention the major releases coming up because there are several. June the 7th, which is a few days away, the reissue of Rock and Roll Circus is uh, coming up, which has an alternate take of your blues uh, in there from the Plastic Mac, which was a band with John and Yoko, Eric Clapton, Keith Richards, and uh, Mitch Mitchell. There's also a rehearsal of Revolution. Mm -hmm. that they do, which has never been released before. <laughs> wow. And um, a jam with yeah. the band. There's going to be, let's see here, a three-album vinyl version. It's also going to be available as a double CD, a DVD, and a Blu-ray, plus a limited edition four-disc set, which is made up of two CDs, the DVD, Blu-ray, and a 44-page booklet. Uh, June the 28th is the official release date of the Danny Boyle film yesterday when that will be premiering, although there have been advanced previews so far. I haven't seen the film yet. A lot of people are interested in this. Very cool idea uh, in this film. July 5th, we're all waiting for this one, the reissue of McGear. That'll be two CDs plus a DVD. The DVD will have two interviews with Mike McCartney in there and a video for the song Leave It. The two CDs is the main album on one CD. The second disc is all alternate takes and other material that didn't make the album. July 12th, as I said, the four McCartney reissues. And September 24th is the second book of Ringo photos called Another Day in the Life. 
okay? Yeah. Following Photograph, which came out a few years ago. Yeah. So that's all the news I've got. That's Ono news I've got here. <laughs> that's fit to print. Yep. <laughs> wow. You know, uh, I've been, you know, I, I follow those um, those damn uh, Steve Hoffman forum group chats uh, from time to time. And, uh, you know, that's where I found out about the uh, those Paul McCartney reissues. So, the, mm. I mean, there, there are some truths to what uh, is placed on there. Um, another thing that I've been uh, seeing um, is Beatle related and that we're going to be expecting some kind of uh, box set uh, this summer that is not going to be an Abbey Road. So um, okay. keep your eyes open for something. So we'll see. Uh, don't know. <laughs> we'll see. That's mysterious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's you know I mean these people they're not gonna give away you know if they if they are in fact in the know they're not gonna you know tell us what these items are until you know a day or two before they're actually you know announced like they did with the um, you know the wings box sets last year and then uh, you know these Paul McCartney reissues so I'm kind of curious to see what what the, what it's all about some people are speculating the U.S. albums on vinyl um, uh, the U.S. Beatle albums on vinyl so. We'll see. So. I know Abbey Road is enough for me. Yeah, <laughs> as far as the group is concerned. Exactly. Though. Yeah. Well, I'm exactly. waiting for Let It Be. I want the new Let It Be. That's why I, I well. can't wait to get through Abbey Road so we can get to Let It Be. <laughs> Peter Jackson film. Yeah. Right. Well, right. If they're going to do it on the 50th anniversary, that would be next May. Mm -hmm. So there's not that long a gap between September for Abbey Road and May for right. Let It Be. Right. So. Not right. too long to wait. Yeah, cool. Bernardo made the, the made the pre-order for McGear, so good All right. for you. Um, all right, Bernardo. Looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Uh, Ken, so that's good. You're all set? Yep, for that's it. That is all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, on to our main topic. You know, I've seen a lot from all the Facebook pages of, you know, Beatles or Paul McCartney, and a lot of people, you know, giving their opinions on whether or not they think Wings should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, were they just a backup band to to Paul? Were they were they a real band? You know, a lot of a lot of people have mixed opinions about it and uh, and different views about it. You know, when Egypt Station was announced, how was it announced? It was announced as Paul's 18th solo album, meaning that you know those Wings albums weren't including in that. So they're including, so they're not including you know time, Paul's time with Wings. So they're. they're suggesting that that was a different time. I mean, that was hmm. Paul band. So, so therefore, yeah, I mean, Wings was a band, you know, so the question is, you know, if they are a band, do, should they be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? And, um, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm sure you guys are aware of what the criteria is for, you know, to be in the, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you know, um, you know, I was looking at the the site earlier, and for performers, I got it here. <laughs> yeah, performers, it's you know, you know, it says you know, honors artists which demonstrate musical excellence, such as such as influences on other performers or genres, length and depth of career and catalog, stylistic innovations, or superior technique and skills. Now, I don't doubt that we can. I don't think any of us would disagree that you know, wings, you know couldn't meet this criteria. I think they were influential. They were influential. Sorry, excuse me. And uh, they showed, uh, you know, innovations. They had superior technique. Um, you know, so um, 
Joe, I mean, what are your thoughts? I mean, you think... I knew I, I, knew <laughs> I was going to be first. <laughs> I just had a feeling I was going to be first. Oh, uh, well, good. <laughs> okay. Uh, honestly, why, well, my feelings are twofold on it. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is a lot of people, when you discuss this a lot of times, it's like, who is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame now? Who's the new nominees, you know, when they, the news comes out? And a lot of people, including myself, feel it's kind of getting very relaxed standards all of a sudden. Uh, the criteria that you were mentioning seems to have been gone with the wind in recent years, I think. Um, there's people that everybody will argue, and this is why it's a tough topic for me, why is so-and-so in there, but somebody else isn't in there? And these discussions around the water cooler or around, if you, if you want to say, the Internet, whatnot, uh, always get like that. You know, everybody's got their opinions. Who belongs in? Who doesn't belong in? So uh, because of that, it seems to me almost anyone can get in. It seems you have rap artists in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You, you have, uh, well, you know, Leonard me, Cohen. Think, Not- yeah, hold on one second. I, I mean, I think people confuse sometimes what the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame really is. I mean, it's not just rock and roll. I mean, it's the roots of rock and roll, where it, where mm-hmm. it came from. So I, I don't mind, you know, other acts from genres getting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But sorry, go ahead. Yeah, well, I'm saying, uh, based on that cr- criteria, I was going to say on the first half, well, sure, Wings belongs in, I think. But uh, well, everybody is getting in. But uh, I don't know. Uh, I love Wings. I love Linda McCartney's harmonies. Uh, I'll support Linda and defend her all day. Anybody says she didn't add anything to Wings. I think she was essential. And Denny Lane, of course, even writing with Paul and everything, you know, uh, terrific. But for some reason, I mean, I, I was I was thinking about it. Other than the fact that they Wings had a lot of a run of good hits, big hits, I don't know uh, on an objective basis if they really qualify, and and I don't want to be too long on this. I want to give you all a chance, but I'm thinking I I personally have this thing about you know Paul or any artist being in like no numerous times, you know, uh, Paul in it for the Beatles, and then Paul in for just Paul McCartney, Paul in for Paul McCartney and Wings, or just Wings, and then. Which Wings members get in? All configurations? Just certain configurations? Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been different mm-hmm. members over the years. It's an interesting topic, but like uh, I, then, then I just want to bounce to the monkeys. Like, uh, there's a reason why I'm mentioning the monkeys. I would love for the monkeys to get in. I think it's a sin that they're not in yet. Uh, and maybe some, you know, uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame politics or something, but um, then I think, well, why would I say the monkeys and not wings? Because the monkeys, the same thing. They they have a lot of great hit records. The monkeys, a lot of big. That's my always my uh, defense of them. You know, they were uh, very big in the '60s, and they even topped over the Beatles for a, a period of time on the charts. So then, isn't that the same thing? I ask myself for wings because all I really can think of for wings is that they had a lot of hits. Mm-hmm. Did anybody really become influenced musically and say, hey, you know, wings? Wings made me want to play out and play guitar. Maybe. Um, I don't know. So I'm kind of like of both minds about it. Maybe people who are pro Wings being in can convince me during right. the course of the show a little bit more. Right. I'd love for them to be in, but, do, you know, I'll take it if I can get it. Right. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, like you said earlier, I mean, uh, Caitlin here just makes a good point. She says Clapton is in like 20 million times. Um, I was, and, I, and I, is, yeah, I got my notes right here, by the uh, way, about Clapton. Yeah. <laughs> with, uh, Yardbirds, Cream, and uh, yeah. his solo career. And he could be eligible for two other projects with um, 
Derek and the Domino and, and Blind Faith, you know. Right, right. And even his time, even his his, his uh, help with uh, Mail and the Blues Breakers, you know. So, I mean, he could get in multiple more times. But then again, here we go. I mean, so if he can get in all these times, why can't Paul get in? But Kit, I mean, do you think the Wings are their own are their own band, or are they just a Paul backing band? Well, I I I have to say. Mr. Mayo and I a lot of times uh, agree on things, and and much of what you said I I agree with. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> so we we, wow. we always seem to be on the same page. <laughs> stuff it's scary. Um, you know, I mean, the the thing is, I mean, first of all, before I say this, I love Wings. I love the Wings era. I love. I mean, there's so many great songs that come out of it, and the musicians that played in Wings were fantastic. Oh, yeah. I mean. Mm -hmm first class i mean no no question so this is absolutely nothing you know uh, I, i'm not detracting from their uh, ability at all i just always felt like that that you know paul was definitely the i mean he of course was the driving force and i think i read somewhere that even Lawrence Juber referred to himself as a hired hand at, at one point. Um, now, I think they did have some input. I'm not saying they had zero input into, into the music, but other than Denny Lane, I just don't see that they were real equal collaborators, you know? And so I just always felt like, you know, it's listed times Paul McCartney and Wings. And, you know, so to me, you know, Paul was was the driving force, and and these wonderful musicians. Um, you know, kind of. You know, I mean, he he directed. Ever, you know, in my opinion, he directed most things. So, I don't know if I would consider them a a true collaborative band. I mean, to me, it was sort of it was a project that that Paul headed. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, you know, so that that's just those are just my two cents. So, kind of. But, you know, back backpacking a little bit on what Joe just said that that you know they had a lot of hits, they really did. But as as Joe said, and I think he raises a great question: Did they really influence other people to pick up the guitar and all that? I don't know. Yeah, 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 and then, yeah, right. And then you know, one of the criteria that's not you know listed is popularity. You know, how many hits you have. Right. You know, so I mean that kind of like you know leads itself out yeah they were they sold a lot yeah they had you know number one over number one you know l singles number one you know you know l long players um but yeah um you really don't get us on their albums for me you don't really get a sense that it was you know a collaborative effort except for maybe london town where you're getting those you know those lane and mccartney um you know duets if you will or even sometimes when you get the backings from from linda um but it's really when you see them live, when you get a sense that it was a band, and it wasn't just Paul's band. It was, it was a, a you know a great band effort, especially when you see those wings, you know, wing uh, when you see Rock Show, for instance, you know the energy and and all the individual uh, individuality that are, that's on the stage. You know, everybody's got their own personal you know individual you know moves. I mean, they're 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 in sync, yeah, and they sound great. But but I mean, when you see the energy of Joe English behind those drums, you know, it's 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 uh, something special. And then the same thing with uh, when you see the uh, the live footage from the Mc, uh, McMouse show, uh, Bruce McMouse show. I mean, that's a really loose, 
you know, band. I mean, and they're, they're, you know, they're all in coherent, co co one coherent, you know, band, in my opinion. I mean, they look like they're having fun. And yeah. you don't just see Paul, you know, saying, no, you just got to stand here. You do that. I mean, even though he told, you know, uh, you know, Henry, he had, he had to play, you know, that wow. solo, my love, you know, you know, right on all the money. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I have, you know, mixed feelings about it too. Um, you know, Ken, what, what, what do you think um, about, you um, Wings being a band or or the backing band? Well, this may be one show where I'm all alone here. <laughs> because first of all, first of all, they should definitely be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's probably a moot point because Paul was inducted for all of his post-Beatles work, which I think was a mistake not to separate the wing stuff from his solo music. There is a Definite difference between a Wings album and a solo Paul McCartney album. I agree. Tell, can anyone listen to Venus and Mars and Pipes of Peace and feel it's the same kind of an album? It's mm -hmm. not. Um, if you go all the way back to the very beginning of Wings, I think it was Paul's intention for Wings to be recognized as a true band. You mm -hmm. go back to the live tours of Wings, you've got Henry McCullough doing a song, Henry's Blues. You've got Denny Lane doing a few of his songs. I Would Only Smile being one of them. Uh, I'm trying to think of the other one. There was one early on that he did as well. Um, even Linda had Seaside Woman. It wasn't just Paul doing the lead vocals. And then throughout their albums, you've got plenty of songs that Danny Lane sang lead to, songs that he wrote to, which not only did he contribute as a writer and as a vocalist, but since we just mentioned that radio station, WPLJ, which I, I, I knew I'd, ha I'd have to bring this up because you know what it's like when you're told uh, if you're like a second generation Beatle fan, you don't fully understand what it was like because you didn't live through it. Well, believe me, I lived through Wings. And in the totally 1970s <laughs> on WPLJ in New York City, which was one of the biggest rock stations along with WNEW, they played Time to Hide on that radio station. They played Medicine Jar on that radio station in the number one market, okay? Wow. When London Town came out, they played Deliver Your Children. They played Wino Junko from uh, Wings at the Speed of Sound. It wasn't all Paul McCartney songs. And, um, and Medicine Jar was a big, uh, a big uh, song on rock radio then. And PLJ reflected what the rest of the country was doing, you know? So... And I can also tell you from having seen Wings Over America, granted only one show, but my favorite concert ever, um, Time to Hide was a big number. Medicine Jar was a big number. I've interviewed many of the members of Wings. I've interviewed Denny Sywell, Henry McCullough. Um, I've interviewed Lawrence, Lawrence Schuber and Steve Holly, Denny Lane several times. They all will give you a different answer as to whether or not Wings was a real band. Definitely, if you talk to Denny Sywell, he will tell you they were a real band. He would tell me when Wildlife came out, all the members had their hands on the recording console. They were involved in the mix of the album. Red Rose Speedway, for all this talk about how great it is as a double album now when you listen back, well, the songs that were picked on Red Rose Speedway were picked by the band together. It was... It was more than just, you know, Paul is a leader and Paul controlled everything. There's more to it than that. 
Lawrence Juber has told me on numerous occasions that, um, you know, Paul kind of knew what he wanted in his songs, but if any musician in the group had an idea and they brought it to Paul and he liked it, he'd go with it. There's a really weird guitar sound that's on the song To You mm -hmm. and Back to the Egg, which was, it involved using a harmonizer. And it's very strange, but that idea came from Lawrence and Paul took it. So it's not like everything that came out of Wings was all out of Paul's head. All right. Take a look at Wings at the Speed of Sound, guys. All five members got a lead vocal on there. Joe English got a lead vocal. He did a great job on it, too. Must do something about it. Oh, oh Cook of the House got airplay. Believe it or not, on rock radio, Cook of the House got airplay. The note you never wrote got airplay on rock radio in New York City. So I can tell you Wings and thinking of Wings as a band, and let's – Let's not kid ourselves. Everybody knew Paul was a leader. Yeah. But you can have a band and still have a leader with someone who's recognized as the leader. They were a real band. And I do happen to believe that if you've had so much commercial success, as Wings did throughout the 70s, Wings had five number one albums in a row. Yep. Red Rose Speedway, Band on the Run, Venus and Mars, Wings at the Speed of Sound and Wings Over America all hit number one. That's phenomenal. Wings wasn't just an album artist and a singles artist. They were both. And as someone, as Tom knows, I follow the charts. I'm always <laughs> quoting the charts on my show. Whether you follow Billboard, whether you follow Cashbox, Paul McCartney in the 70s with Wings and the earlier hits before Wings, either ranks number two or three as as the biggest singles artist or album artist of that decade. They really were big. I'm right. not saying everybody that bought Wings albums were buying it for Denny Lane songs or Jimmy McCulloch songs, but they were aware of the other members. And go back to the Wings Over America tour. Denny Lane had five songs that he sang. That was a conscious decision that was made by Paul. And Jimmy McCulloch had Medicine Jar that he did live. And even later on in 1979, uh, in the UK tour, Denny sang again and again and again, and no words. So it's kind of interesting. I kind of wish it would have been really interesting if uh, Joe English hadn't left and Jimmy McCulloch hadn't left, what London Town could have sounded like. Maybe it would have been something close to speed of sound with everybody getting lead vocal. Right. I found that fascinating. Yeah. 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 You know? Made a big difference to me personally about Joe English because, man, he, he belted out his vocals on Must Do Something About It. Great job on that song. But those were all decisions that Paul made. And so I think that Wings was definitely a band. And I think that if you have this much commercial success, you have to be somewhat of an influence. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of people that picked up a bass because of Paul McCartney, whether it was Wings music, whether it was his solo music, and certainly from the Beatle days. Yeah, well, you know, I I know say, just to, to be I'm sorry to interrupt, but I don't want to forget. Sure. To be fair, you know, Ken, I mean, of course, we know people that have said, you know, I actually discovered Wings first. And then some people have said that they went back to the Beatles after yes. that, who grew up in that era. That's true. This is true. So I guess you could say that. Well, that's right. something I want us to explore here on this show, because the opinions that people have, if they were brought up on the solo music first, could be very different with how they look at the entire catalog of the solo and the group. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you could like the solo music more than the Beatles. It is right. possible. 
Yeah. So, um, you know, it all depends. I think what you hear at a very young age, your adolescence, teenage years, 20s, has the greatest impact on your life. And it becomes, for most people, their favorite music. And it also indicates what they're going to hear later on, what they're going to favor later on in life. Right. I talk to people all the time about this. I love yeah. talking about music in general, not just the Beatles. But what people hear at a young age has the greatest impact on on their music influences and, and what they're going to like in the future. Right. And it becomes the most important music of their lifetime. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, Wings was definitely, you know, it was it was they were a major act of the 70s. And I also have to say, I don't want to just control this whole conversation no, here. <laughs> Paul doesn't help matters any by diluting everything. You know, right. when Wings when Wingspan came out, which was supposed to be a documentary on Wings, and then the album came out or the C D, and you've got songs on there that weren't Wings songs. Right. They were pre-Wings, like Maybe I'm Amazed or or Junk or something. And then post Wings, like Say Say Say, which yeah. doesn't belong on a Wings collection. Yeah. I think you know, take it away there. Well yeah. Yeah. Um, so sometimes people are confused. What is wings? Mm -hmm. And not yeah. only that, not only that, um, you go back to the Ram album. Why is it that there's two songs from the Ram sessions, Get On The Right Thing and Little Lamb Dragonfly, that end up on a wings album? Is it a wing song? <laughs> is it really a Ram song? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it gets kind of confusing in a way. But I do know one thing from having listened very intently to this music. I can tell who the musicians are in the band just by listening to it. Um, there is a distinct difference between uh, Denny Sywell, Joe English, and Steve Holly as drummers. There's a big difference between Henry McCullough, Jimmy McCulloch, and Lawrence Juber as lead guitarist. If somebody was to play for me an unreleased wing song that I never heard before, and it had the full lineup, I could tell you which band it is. They kind of had their own stamp on the songs. You know, I wouldn't necessarily say that about Paul's band of the last 20 years. Right. You know, and like I said, during the Wings days, the other guys got some time on stage with their own numbers from 2001, 2002 on. It's been all Paul. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't see Rusty Anderson doing one of his songs or, <laughs> you know, or Brian Ray or Abe Laboreal Jr. Same thing really with, um, you know, the 89 through 93 tours. Although uh, Robbie McIntosh had an instrumental. But, you know, during the Wings days, the tours reflected the bands. Mm -hmm. That's right. true. And there's a, there's a great comment that uh, uh, astute viewer Mike Nari, I hope I pronounced that correctly, uh, wrote. And it's kind of a long comment, so I'm just going to read it because it would take up the whole screen. <laughs> and so, But it's a great comment. Said the only way they could possibly go into the Hall of Fame is in the category of backing band, the same way they inducted Bruce Springsteen in 1999, that hmm. they inducted the E Street Band in 2015 as the backing band uh, in the backing band category. All Paul, Paul's solo music, including Wings, was inducted in 1999 along with him when he went into the Hall of Fame that year. So the only way they could get in there is as the, uh, a backing band. So not including Paul McCartney, it would just yeah, be a member. sort of yeah. That's that's how just I read it, Mike. If I'm reading this incorrectly, please uh, tell me. But he also said, uh, also makes a point. He said, I think yes, Wings were real band, but the Hall of Fame considers them as Paul's backing band. So 
I, I, I don't, you know, I couldn't see it that way. Wings was more involved. Yeah. You had Denny Lane collaborating on songs with Paul McCartney, writing his own material. Jimmy McCulloch had his two songs. You know, there was more to it than just the musicianship. Right. Yeah, you know, I mean, the singing and the and the, the the lead vocals and the others and the harmonies. Oh, absolutely, the harmonies. I mean, plus, oh yeah, you know, Linda had more material that that could have gone on Wings albums. It just wasn't Cook a House. I mean, Seaside Woman didn't have to be a you know Susie and the Red Stripe you know uh, a release that could have been on a on an album. But you know, to your point about um, that middle era you know, from 75 to, to 76 and then into recording London Town. For me, if I was to say Wings belonged into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I would say yes, if that poor, or if that version of the group stayed together a little longer maybe, because then you really do get a sense that it was it was a band where other, other members are getting more vocals, Denny's getting in there more, you know, Jimmy's, like you said, has got his two tracks and, and uh, Joey yeah. is, is, is singing. And then, you know, there's one song I would have loved to have seen a, on a Wings album, and that's Oriental Nightfish. I think that song would have been oh. great on, on maybe Back to the Egg, you know, or even Band on the Run. I, I think that song would have been wonderful on a, um, on a Wings album. So yeah, some of the songs that were on Wide Prairie, which was right. the the compilation of Linda McCartney's songs throughout her, her whole career, could have made Wings albums easily yeah. and fit very well. If you could have Cook of the House on Wings at the Speed of Sound, <laughs> you could have had some of the other songs that were right. on Wide Prairie. Yeah. So in, in my opinion, if that version of Wings stayed together for maybe, you know, London Town and, and maybe even get back to the egg, I would say, yeah, uh, you know, because it's. You're hearing it on albums. You're just not seeing it. Um, you're just not seeing it live. You know, you're actually getting to see all of this. You know, get to hear this this group effort in the yep. studio as well as live. So, yeah, John Dobry. I don't know if I'm going to pronounce Dobry. No, <laughs> sorry, John. John, we'll just say John. He said something I wanted to bring up too on the 2005 tour. Paul yeah. played too many people. He announces it as for the Wings fans. I remember that. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So it makes you wonder, what is a wing song anyway? Right. Well, you and, and, get that wrong. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yep, and another viewer, uh, Marvin, I'm showing this uh, right. coming again. Pipes of Peace and No More Lonely Nights were on also on Wingspan, and they're not wing songs. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I know Denny Lane played on a couple of those, you know, those tug of war session songs. Um, uh -huh. So maybe he's thinking that, but he definitely, I don't think he was there for, you know, No More Lonely Nights. I mean, he definitely, you know, and since um, Denny uh, Sywell played on too many people, maybe he thought consider that a, a wing song because there was a wings member that played on that song. Right. So, but we don't know how Paul's thinking. Right. We just don't know. <laughs> right. And yeah. Not only that, I was just remembering when I recently interviewed Denny Sywell, he was saying that when Wings started, Paul wanted everyone to look at Wings like they were the Beatles. And he wanted them to know everyone's names, all the press releases, mentioned everybody in the band. And you will also find online there were times when there were interviews done with the band where each member was asked a question. Mm -hmm. That yeah. was done intentionally. Yeah. So yeah. that it wasn't just Paul being asked all the questions or Paul and Linda. That was done on purpose. Yeah, I you think, can see that on YouTube. Yeah. See those on clips on YouTube. You know, yeah. I think it was like a Tom Snyder interview where he, right. you know, the band, and then he interviewed uh, Paul and Linda afterwards. I believe that's how it went. You know, and you can see all different kinds of interviews where they're all all of them are getting questions. So I agree with you, Ken. 
Yeah. But here's where it would be a real struggle mm -hmm. to think of Wings as a band. One of the problems that you have with Wings is that every single hit was a Paul McCartney song. Right. <laughs> you didn't have Time to Hide as a top 40 hit. You right. didn't have Medicine Jar as a top 40 hit. But, you know, every single, all the big hits were all Paul. Compare mm -hmm. that to Fleetwood Mac, you know, or, or or the Eagles, where you had many different vocalists, oh, yeah. you know, who lead vocalists who shared in the hits. Right. So the perception of Wings to a lot of people is not that they were a full band. They were Paul McCartney's band. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. I and mean, I was going to bring that up, too. Yeah. So many bands that are in had so many different, you know, lead vocalists, whether it was Chicago or the Eagles, Fleetwood Mac, you know, even Kiss, you know, so... So yeah, um, Joe, um, Wings a backing band or are they, they are they a band? No. no, well, I mean they're a band. I I think they're a, they're a band. I don't think that's really the question. Really, I know a lot of people do question it in general, but for this, I I'm thinking more in terms of do they, but do they belong in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? But it, you know, we ask ask me that personally. I'd be honest, just me on a personal level. I I. I it's going to be hard to say, but honestly, I don't care who's in the band. You know, I prefer some to others of members. However, it's Paul I'm there for. Um, it, although I do recognize the difference. There is, as we said before, a difference between Wings with Paul and Paul doing his own uh, instrumentation on McCartney or how he's doing it now with his new band or new they've been around since what 2001 or something like that 2001, uh, uh, but you know what I mean this current band uh, yeah there's, there's definitely differences but I'm there for Paul primarily you know and I, I think a lot of people are when I you know debating that but uh, yeah so they were a band to me sure and uh, different forms of, of bands depending who's in there yeah, uh, and Paul who's wanted. Your favorite? Yeah, and Paul wanted. Yeah, from the, from the know, beginning, he did that. And I think it was Capital tried to make it a band effort. Yeah, and the thing was Capital that suggested no because Wings Wildlife didn't sell. That Red Rose Speedway had to be Paul McCartney, right. you know, and Good Wings, point. you know. Mm. So it wasn't his doing on right, that. Right, part. right, right. So, I mean, there was real. There was. I mean, there was real. Uh, you know, intent on his part to make it a band. I, you know, I get it and I appreciate that. However, you know, with all that Paul material all throughout, you know, those those albums, you know, except for, you know, maybe, you know, Wings at the Speed of Sound. I mean, it's hard for somebody to, to someone new to come in and say, OK, wow, this was sounds like it's Paul and plus, you know, plus his band. Mm. You know? so, but also to further your comment about the name being used. Mm -hmm. Starting off as Wings, it didn't do as well. Then it was Paul McCartney and Wings. As right. soon as Ben on the Run did well, right. then it was just Wings. Right. Paul didn't want to have to rely on the name Paul McCartney. He wanted the world to look at the yeah, band true. as Wings. True. Right. So his intentions were good from the very beginning. Whether mm -hmm. it was executed well is really what, what we have to debate. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. And uh, oh, and just a question here from uh, from Annie. It says, "Didn't uh, Denny co-write Mauve Can Tire? So yep. not just a Paul song is their biggest hit." And that's yep, absolutely. That's true. Yeah. Although Mauve Can Tire wasn't a hit here, it became uh -huh. at the time the biggest hit in the UK. Mm -hmm. You know, right. that's that's true. But yeah. I guess I just you know talking about different albums, like I tend to think of Band on the Run as you know 
primarily Paul's baby. I mean, you know, I, I just felt like on that album in particular that, you know, that was his concept, his project. And again, I'm not saying he didn't, you know, accept uh, any, you know, uh, suggestions or anything from the band. And, and as you said, by the way, we keep mentioning Medicine Jar. That's a great song. Oh, I, I love that. That should have been a bigger love hit. That. Um, and I mean, it was about something very serious, but it was a great, great song. Um, but, you know, I still felt like, you know, it was Paul driving, you know, steering the ship, however you, you want to put it. And so, you know, whenever I, I just think of that, and, and as, as Joe just said, I, I, I kind of agree as much as I do love the, the different musicians that have played with Wings. I mean, as I said before, I mean, these are, are top level people. I mean, they are all, and they all brought their own flavor. But right. as, as Joe just said, you know, primarily it's Paul that that draws me, you know, to uh, to the albums and everything. So I'm, I I have to once again, Joe, I, I agree with you. <laughs> although although at the Beatles Fest, Fest for Beatles fans, I keep saying Beatles Fest. I did love the Wingmen without Paul. Yes, they were they excellent. <laughs> it was great that seeing was great. all of the members because uh, I, I love Back to the Egg and I love that particular right. you know uh, uh, mix for Wings that you know those members right. there, uh, yes. Steve Holly and Lawrence Juber. So mm -hmm. there was Denny up there and it, Paul who. <laughs> I didn't even really even need to see that, Paul. I enjoyed it yeah. anyway. That could be so. a fun tour. I wonder if that could ever happen if we can yeah. get Den you know Denny and uh, you know and. And uh, Lawrence, Lawrence and Steve, yeah. Yeah. or Denny Sywell. Denny Sywell, exactly. Oh, you know, Jenny, right, and, yeah. you know, get a couple of people in there. I don't, I don't know if he would be, if they would be able to get away with calling it Wings, um, but uh, I'm sure they could call it, you know, like you said, Joe, maybe Wingman or something. Wing, like wingman. That. I think that's what they yeah. call themselves. Yeah, they call themselves Wingman. Yeah. An unofficial name, a real right. name they're using or something. Unofficial. Uh, so yeah, I don't think Linda helped the cause either much because I think it was the, maybe the Playboy interview that they did in the '80s. Where um, they're asking, you know, you know, Linda asked Linda the question, you know, why didn't Wings work out or something like that, and and her response was because, you know, the, Paul didn't have good musicians with them, you know, the musicians that they had weren't uh, weren't top notch, you know, so I mean, you know, comments she like said, that, you know, she said they were good musicians, they weren't great musicians, right? Yeah, I don't so, know, I have a problem with that comment from Linda. Right. I, I have yeah. something to say about that, but I don't think I should. <laughs> <laughs> Were they technically better than the, right. than uh, John uh, George Ringo? I don't know. Were yeah. they technically? Maybe. In the uh, McCartney Two uh, archive booklet, if you read that, where you know Paul's, you know, um, why didn't the eighty, you know, why didn't the band continue? And he just felt like they weren't, you know, the live stuff. Why didn't they continue going live? And he said they just felt like they weren't well rehearsed. You know, I just just comments like these, like just baffle me sometimes you know just and why keep going in it why keep going you know with wings throughout the 70s if you feel if you feel this way you know maybe it's your safety net or your safety blanket or whatever i, I you know i don't get why you know you're having all the success with these with these people but yet you you know you you secretly you know don't feel they're, they're up to snuff you know you know there are certain things that in beetle history we'll never get all the answers to right and as for why wings ended we could all have our own theories. I happen to think that Paul, you know, by by the 76 tour, he reached the, you know, the summit, you know, right. he proved that he can make it totally on his own without relying on 
the Beatles, although he did do five Beatles songs. It wasn't a lot, you know, but he toured the whole world. He's, he, you know, he sold out everywhere he went. I think he got kind of tired of losing the fourth and fifth members along mm. the way. Yeah. Uh, so then building the band back up again. Right. So, you know, that he probably got fed up with that. And, you know, there are limitations when you're in a band. Right. You know, yeah, working with the same people. And, right. you know, the Beatles went through that, too. Mm-hmm. So probably Paul felt that it was time to start doing something else. When you watch that interview that was in the McCartney 2 package that he did mm-hmm. with um, Tim Rice, mm-hmm. was it? He looked like yeah, he was really bored to even talk about Wings, like it's time yes. to move on already. Hmm. You know, so I think he just had enough with being in a band. And right. if you ask Denny Lane, he'll say that he left because he wanted Paul to keep touring and Denny right. loved to perform. Right. So, and yet why did Denny continue with Paul during Tug of War and Pipes of Peace? Right. He still kept working with him. He kept yeah. working with him. Right. and Lawrence and Steve left. Right. You know, I, you know, we'll never know all the answers, yeah. but I still think yeah. that Paul was kind of tired of being in a band at that point. Right. Well, I think that, you know, those, I think he still wanted that kind of a little bit of that wing sound, even though George Martin didn't want a wings record. Um, but it's still, I, I would still consider Denny Lane like a, you know, a safety net, you know, uh, during those sessions. He's there, you know, those harmonies are still there throughout the, throughout those albums, and and um, you know, and I and personally for me, I think his his albums, as great as they are, after after the Wings era, I think they're really missing those those Linda and Denny backing vocals. I really miss those those those. those um, harmonies on, on Paul records these days, but not saying that they're bad albums because they're great. I love Egypt Station, but that's an aspect of his of his records that I really miss. Yeah, well the core the core members of Wings were, were always Paul Linda and Denny. Yeah. Right. And getting those harmonies made a huge difference. And Denny yeah. Lane also made a lot of contributions to the group. Yeah. He brought a, a folk element to the band, especially on London Town. And he and Paul just really blended well together. And I know that, that Denny said to me, Paul was always encouraging him to write more material. Mm-hmm. And and so we had five songs that he and Paul wrote together on London Town. So you wouldn't do that with a group that's all just backing musicians for you. Right. You wouldn't be writing with a, with uh, members, or in this mm-hmm. case, Denny Lane, if you just thought of the other members as hired hands. I don't remember Lawrence Schieber saying that about, you know. Right. That I saw that somewhere. I'll have to look up that yeah. quote because yeah. I... Yeah, because I know I saw that somewhere where he said something about, oh, I was just kind of a hired hand. But I mean, he wasn't saying it like in a bitter kind of way. I mean, right. as I recall, yeah. just saying, yeah, you know, I, I wasn't the leader for sure. I also want to say that um, when Denny Lane was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for being in the Moody Blues, there was a, an interview he gave to Billboard where he, where he was questioned about Wings, and he said that Wings was Paul's backing band. And mm-hmm. yet, Denny has flip-flopped on this. Yes, I've I interviewed know. him several times. You know, like I said, Paul was always encouraging him to write. You wouldn't do that with someone that's just a backing musician, you know? So, um, and I also think it's really crazy, if you think about this, that Denny Lane is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because he was a founding member of the Moody Blues. He was only in the group for a couple of years. Right. <laughs> he, was in, he was the entire decade with Wings, right. and yeah. he's not in there as a member of Wings. Does that make any sense at all? 
about you know the e street being e street band being in for a backing band i, I found that interesting when that happened and yeah. you know, automatically thought well you know that could be you know the only way that wings would get in there since you know since um the person earlier mentioned about how you know the wings stuff was included in in paul mccartney's catalog when he was introduced you know yeah. into the to rock and roll of fame so that is an interesting point so so kit yes or no <laughs> oh boy um <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm I'm getting ready for the virtual tomatoes that are thrown at me. Um, and again, I love wings. I love it, but I'm voting no. Mayo, hold a tomato. Uh, <laughs> no, with some serious reservations. Now, I think you know Ken really uh, made a lot of solid points, and. Uh, but still, I, at this point, I'll say no. Ask me uh, six months from a year from now. My man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, a song you love yesterday could be a song you hate tomorrow. You know, it's it's so so common uh, in this in this Beatle world. Um, you know, I I really thought about this hard the last couple of days, and I want to say yes. I I really do. Um, and if that, you know, that uh, that mid-era uh, Wings uh, version stayed together longer, I would gladly say yes. Um, do I, were, their, were their contributions significant? Yes. I mean, you know, as you said, Ken, Denny Lane, you know, he's was there from the beginning. I mean, he co-wrote many, many songs. He, he you know, uh, co-lead on, on many songs. And... Um, you know his guitar work, you know, throughout the, is 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 excellent, and um, so for that, you know, I'm like, you know, <laughs> you know, back and forth by maybe an ounce, you know. It's a complicated uh, question. It's more complicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, and and like, and again, if you know, if you know, uh, Jimmy, you know, had a couple more songs, maybe you know, if depending on how London Town turned out, you know, they recorded uh, Girl School early in those London Town sessions, you know, Magic yeah. Girl School. London Town, you know, I thought that would have, you know, made a, you know, solid effort on London Town as well, but um, uh, pains me. But uh, by a narrow margin, no. I just uh, wanted to say too that uh, I know what Ken's talking about. I, I grew up in the seventies, and it really was Elton John and Wings a lot. I mean, that's what I think of my childhood growing up in the seventies. That's what I remember being the biggest at the hmm. time. And granted, mm -hmm. I was a, a Beatles fan, Paul fan, but it seemed like so many Wings hits and Elton John. Elton John, I got to give them the number one spot too there, but that's still good for Paul, yeah. <laughs> you know, that, at that time. Um, so yeah, it was very. They were very big. They were huge, you know. Mm -hmm. There wasn't anybody on this planet that wouldn't kill to have had the success that Paul McCartney had in the seventies. And there's a lot of young Beatles fans that aren't even aware of it. Right. That know how great the Beatles were in the '60s, and that's all fine, fine and good. But you know, that's kind of like a revisionism when right. you think about it, because a lot of young fans do not know all the success that the Beatles had on their own. And certainly in the case of Paul, so many he had nine number one singles post Beatles. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's a lot. That's a you know, for all for all the attention that we give to all the Beatles' accomplishments on the charts when they were together. 
20 number one singles, you know, occupying the top five, you know, in Billboard. The Beatles had more success on the charts as solo artists than any solo artist from a previous band ever. And most fans today that grow up just learning about the group aren't aware of that. And, you know, and I do believe, and we discussed this on things we said today back when it was with Al Sussman and Steve Marinucci. And we, we, I, I think that Al had said, because I questioned, if you have commercial success, does that mean that you should automatically get in? Does that automatically mean that you've been an influence? And he thought, yes. If you're really selling millions and millions of records, you have to influence some people. Right. You know? And, um, you know, I, and it's a frustrating thing talking about Wings because I loved all three of the major lineups of Wings. And for the fourth and fifth members to leave all the time, and you kind of wish what might have happened if it stayed with that same lineup, it could have gotten better and better and better. You know, but we'll never know. But for what did come out, I'm very happy with all that music. And it's, you know, oh, it's, a great, it's a great catalog. And it doesn't I matter do not, whether or not Paul's the leader. There's lots of bands out there with leaders that are obviously... Don't forget the line, though, Ken. Know. I got to say, the line that was in the 70s that you probably heard was, you know, some people would say, you mean Paul McCartney was in a band before Wings? <laughs> That's right. So that shows you, right? That's an old and, line that used to be used. Yep. And by the way... But on the same token, I'm reading two comments here. Michael Rice, I knew Paul McCartney in the 80s before I knew who the Beatles were. Mm -hmm. Doug Brando, I, I actually discovered John's solo career before the Beatles, but it didn't really influence my decision. I just thought of it as John with three other iconic musicians. A lot of people discovered the solo music first, and mm -hmm. they could have a different impression when they get to the group. Mm -hmm. You know, That's it's right. all good. Yeah. It's Absolutely. All good. So Ken, yeah, I guess we know yes for you. <laughs> yes, yes, a thousand <laughs> yeah. times yes. <laughs> I had no idea. I had no idea. <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> Do I think it'll happen? Probably not. But it really, oh, yeah. it should have never inducted him for all of his right. post Beatles work like that. Right. Should well, you've we... got plenty of backers in the right. audience here, Ken. Right. <laughs> was no, George no. Harrison? Wait, was George Harrison inducted with the Traveling Wilburys too? I was, was that included? <laughs> now, should, yes. should we consider, you know, traveling Will, traveling Wilburys, or even Plastic Ono Band, Hallworthy? Uh, Plastic Ono yeah. Band, no. One. Mm. The whole concept of the Plastic Ono Band, according to John, was to be revolving musicians that would keep changing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so what you know? are the Plastic Ono Band. <laughs> <laughs> the traveling Wilburys, you know. Unfortunately, Roy Orbison died after the first album, but, you know, two albums in a row with the same musicians other than Roy on the second album, and they were both great albums, and so many people love that first one, especially, got tons of airplay. I don't know, because it's kind of like the Eric Clapton supergroups, you know, it's the same thing, the same thing. So I would love to see the Wilburys in there. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anybody else want to bring any last comments about wings in the Hall of Fame or just wings in general? I, I just think it's I think this has been a, a really fascinating discussion and there are some you know wonderful comments that and and by the way, everybody who's watching now live or or later, we do read the comments. We do respond to them and we love them. And it's just really interesting. People have, have 
you know, great arguments on, you know, both sides and, and make some, you know, make some valid points. And it just shows you this is this is really a, a more complicated topic than than you know, it seems on the surface. And I feel like this is going to go on for for a long time. I'm, I'm happy well, that people think they deserve to be in as a band. Absolutely. I don't want to give that impression that I don't think so. But, you know, I think it's excellent. You know? But, you know, something I've, I've said many times when it comes to the solo music, most of the people who are very critical of the Beatles solo music are people who haven't listened to it all that much. They'll Agreed. listen to an album once or twice and then make a judgment call on that. There are people who don't really know Wings, that didn't follow the history of Wings, that right. didn't live through Wings, <laughs> like I did, um, and, and Joe. And, uh, you know, if you really follow it and you pay attention and you, you listen to each of the members' contributions and you become more aware of what they did on the studio albums and live, then you'll realize that there was a lot more collaboration there. Collaboration is far more important to me than anything else in a band. It's more important than the payroll of the band. Right. You know, I'm always hearing, well, Wings members are on retainer. I don't care. I care about what's in the grooves. Right. I care about what's in those songs. Henny McCullough made a great guitar solo in My Love. It's outstanding. Right. It's a classic. That's his contribution. Paul loved it so much, he didn't want it to change. That's how much he loved Henry's lead guitar solo. You know, there's all kinds of contributions like that, and you just have to spend more time and listen. That's how you get to know this music. Yeah. I can see him say, look, you came up with the damn solo. You play it every night. <laughs> uh, anyways, well, um, Let's uh, do the round table here. Let's see what everybody's got coming up in the uh, in the near future. Uh, Ken Michaels, what's going on with you? Uh, continuing with things we said today, new shows every couple of weeks. Um, we did a show recently on George's Wonderwall music, and we examined that. We just did a show on uh, how the Beatles influenced us, meaning mm -hmm. not the fans, Alan, Darren, and myself. Oh. And really, we could have gone on for another hour. Certainly, I could have. <laughs> There's so many things I wanted to say how the Beatles influenced me as a person and in my musical taste and from them as people. Um, and maybe we'll save that for another show. I don't know. But on my website, as usual, I have Beatles trivia every single week where you can win one of nine great prizes. And I do have a special contest coming up starting this Friday, just like we had our kiddo toolkit that we gave away while you were on vacation. I knew that that people would be suffering from kid withdrawal, which is why I had the kiddo toolkit as a prize. So similar to that, I'm doing with, uh, with one of our other friends, Jude Kessler, who has written a series of narrative books on John Lennon. She wants to cover his entire career, and so far she's done four books. They'll take you into early 1965. I gave away two of Kit's books on my last contest. I'm giving away two of Jude's books. Oh, wow. She Loves You, which is volume three, which mm -hmm. is mainly 1963. And then her new one, which is Should Have Known Better. Yeah. There's uh, Should Have Been There, Shivering Inside, She Loves You, and Should Have Known Better. It's yeah. all S's with Jude. She's really put, she what is the deal really, with that? I don't know. She really puts a lot of work into those books. I'll tell you. I mean, she 
Really yes. does a lot of research on that book, on those books. Yeah, the newest one is really all about Beatlemania exploding around the world and in America, and it takes you into early '65. So right. you can win both those books in a special contest, which starts this Friday on my website. Over the course of a week, I'm going to ask two extremely simple Beatles questions, which I normally <laughs> never do. I'm making it very easy. This may okay. never happen again. <laughs> over the course of that week, if you write down the answers and email me the answers, one person will, will win both of Jude's books. Oh. So that's at KenMichaelsRadio.com. All right. You should have a trivia question coming tonight, too, at some point, right? Your weekly uh, Oh, trivia? that's true. Oh, you pay attention, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> you notice, by well, the way. As you know. Last, I, no, go ahead. <laughs> the last trivia question that I asked had to do with something that we revealed on our last show about right. George's sense of humor. All right. right. Yeah. You know, so the question was, I had a game called Famous Groupies, mm -hmm. which um, I named somebody famous in the lyrics of a Beatle or solo Beatle song, and the person was Socrates. Mm. So he's in the lyrics of Greece from George yeah. Harrison. So okay. one of our listeners knew that, won a prize. And so, um, yeah, you, sometimes just by watching this program, or listening to my other shows, you might know a future answer. Right. So uh, pay attention. Yeah, <laughs> I, you did it a couple times on your radio show too. You uh, you did an answer on, a, or you did a question on Monday, and if it was like song related, you you played the you played the answer on your radio station. You're <laughs> you very know? good. You picked yeah. up on it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. you know how much I used to love playing your contest. Yes, you <laughs> won a ton of stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Kiddo Tool, what's going on in your world now that you're uh, back and hopefully uh, settled back uh, into your regular routine? Yeah, I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm getting there. No, I do have, uh, I have a new uh, Deep Beatles up um, where I uh, talk about Teddy Boy, which was mm -hmm. kind of a, an interesting um you know, thing to uh, research and on doing a series on songs the Beatles either, you know, never performed, live, never officially released, demos, that kind of stuff. So uh, so that's uh, that's up at Something Else Reviews. I'm also doing a series on Blinded by Sound on Marvin Gaye and this uh, album that came out um kind of a new collection of, of uh, previously, well, some previous unreleased songs, some not, uh, called You're the Man, which is really an, an interesting collection. So, um, you know, that's up on uh, Blinded by Sound. And um, I'm going to be on another podcast pretty soon. I, I don't know all the details yet as to when it's going to be on. So just go to my Facebook page, um, Twitter, all that stuff, and uh, I will let you know of the precise date, and I think I uh, think that's everything that uh, that's going on right now. Okay. And somebody asked me, do I still have the hat? Yes, yes, Tim, <laughs> I still have that hat. <laughs> Maybe next time I'll wear it. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't someone uh, say something about your uh, best Nancy Reagan impersonation? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that was uh, Tim. I think that was you. Yeah, yeah that I was being, yeah, when you asked about should wings be in, that just say no. <laughs> You're a lot of people, but Nancy right. Reagan, that's a first. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, speaking of other podcasts, um, you know, Ed Chen was nice enough to have me back on his show uh when they was fab. We uh discussed the bonus tracks from Egypt Station. And 
you know, a lot of other Paul bonus tracks, uh, or I should say non-album tracks uh, of Paul's over the last 30 years. So that was that was a lot of fun. So you can hop on to Podbean or iTunes uh, and uh, type in When They Was Fab and uh, check that out. Um, on my other show, Two Legs, um, David and I, we just uh, did a show on the, the suitcase. Uh, once again, this big honking thing, you know. Um, so I talk about that, and then David got to see Denny Lane in Michigan. So he uh, he reviewed that show, and he said he had a, lot, a really good time. It was a lot of fun. He got the set list, and he got Denny Lane to sign it. So he'll have that uh, to uh, to frame and and to hang on his wall. Um, in the future, um, I had a special uh, special guest on the show, and. Uh, and uh, maybe he can talk about that uh, when uh, I turn that over to uh, Joe. So, Joe, what do you got coming up uh, in the future? Thank you. <laughs> I was going to say just that. I, was, I had a lot of time to think while the other people were talking. Uh, no, actually, I just, yeah, as Tom says, I was just a, a guest on his show with a podcast, Two Legs, uh, with him and, and uh, Dave. And uh, I'm excited whenever that's going to be on. I can't wait to hear the playback of it. Um, so you can look uh, for that. Also, you know, I have a YouTube channel, Mean Mr. Mayo, and uh, I do all kinds of things, you know, uh, reviews, talking about the Beatles and solo Beatles. I do some comedy things, too. Uh, but uh, in addition to that, different, like, uh, hunts, going around looking for rare stuff, showing some rare Beatles and solo Beatles stuff. I keep getting a lot of that. And recently I found a scrapbook on some of my newer videos, if you want to check back a few. Uh, it was this scrapbook by, I guess, an estate sale, someone had passed away. And this person was obsessed with collecting all kinds of clips in the solo years, really the 70s, and some from 69, 68, 69, going to, like, 70. Uh, seven seventy eight, mm. and it's all kinds of stuff as it happened. Re you know, reviews of Paul's albums and uh, whatever was going on with John at the time. So I was going through that scrapbook, and it really was an amazing find to find a. It was a big bulky book like that, and it's worth watching that. So always looking for new Beatles and solo Beatles related ideas to put on, mm. the, on the channel. Cool. Awesome. Very well, nice. and for, for Talk More Talk, you can find us on our Facebook page, Talk More Talk, a solo Beatles video cast. You can email us at talkmoresolotalk at gmail.com. Um, kid, I always forget the Twitter. <laughs> What's the Twitter? Okay. One? <laughs> it's uh, Talk More Talk One, the number talk one. Talk One. Yeah, easy enough. Um, so, yeah, um, you know, please feel free to like our page and you can um, discover when we'll be back as we are a uh, what bi-weekly show. So every other week we are here with a new topic live. And then afterwards, the lovely Kittle Tool uh, will put the show up on YouTube for us and all the other outlets, including uh, Podbean, uh, iTunes, uh, Spotify, you name it. Uh, we're there. Kit, thank you so much for doing that oh, for sure. us. Sure. And um, it's been a lot of fun, you guys. So thank you very much. So for me, Mr. Mayo, Ken Michaels, Kittle Tool, I'm Tom Hanyati saying, till my head's filled with pain, rack my brain. <laughs> <laughs> Say bye bye. Bye bye. Talk, Woo! <laughs>